Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning. We are recording on a Monday morning, so this is fully live for you. Uh, Scott, it's, what, 7.30 on the East Coast, so we are up, ready to talk some Michigan State football. I got my COVID uh, vaccine booster yesterday, and I was a little worried about uh, you know setting the schedule to record today, but I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I feel like I got superpowers. Like, I have more energy today than I have in weeks. I don't know if that's a normal side effect of this. The first two uh, shots, I didn't really have any problems to speak of. But this one just gives me some weird bolt of energy that I can't really explain. So here we are. I'm ready to roll. Those microchips they put in you, Kevin. Um, yeah. Yeah, Monday morning. We Whenever we record, whenever we get off our butts on the weekend and actually do it early a big old news bomb always drops in on sunday afternoon so uh we decided hey let's try to get behind that we can talk about whatever's coming and nothing came which is just exactly what you'd <laughs> expect uh so for you folks out there who like news we'll try to get back on our game next weekend record a little early and not talk about it for a week uh that seems to work better for us here at standing room spartans yeah, so, I mean, as far as news goes, there's not a ton. Uh, there have been some crystal balls pointed our way. So if you're into the recruiting world, you've got four-star offensive lineman Cole Dellinger, uh, who is a local product, 6'4", 280, as he's listed right now, out of Clarkston, Michigan, a top 300 player in the class right now. And uh, most recently was cornerback uh, Colton Hood, listed six foot. You know Mel Tucker likes his six foot corners out of the state of Georgia. You know he likes his players out of the state of Georgia. Scott, I know you watched a little bit of Colton Hood this morning. What uh, what did you glean from that? Well, he has great ball skills on both sides of the ball. He plays a lot of receiver as well. Um, he yeah no he's he's rangy and you can tell. Um, when he's playing, he's got long arms. He, uh, he closes gaps really well. A lot of his interceptions, he was making up ground, um, on the receivers who had gotten a step or two on him. Um, but really athletic plays a little punt return, played a little wildcat option as well. Uh, so very versatile player. I do think he projects as a corner, uh, in college, but, uh, yeah, should be an exciting prospect. He had really what stuck out off his film was his ball skills as a wide receiver, uh, we mentioned last week talking about a guy like Jaden Reed, who 
even if he doesn't seem to have a lot of separation and doesn't have the biggest frame on the field, finds a way to get the ball in his hands. This kid had a little bit of that same uh, pass catching gene and, and it also percolated over to the defensive side. So a lot of one-on-one situations, a lot of uh, pretty well-thrown balls that he managed to make up ground, get underneath and, and pick off. So uh, didn't see a whole lot of, uh, you know, man to man, true man to man press coverage, uh, played off the ball quite a bit, um, and closed well, which I know looking at our defense last year, and we'll see if our defense looks similar, obviously, this fall, but uh, playing off the ball a lot, sometimes those corners struggled to close quickly, um, whether that be making a play on the ball or just tackling the receiver right when he caught it. Sometimes they'd be a couple steps off when the ball got there, and uh, if we can find guys to close that gap and be closer to the ball. Uh, that'd be great, but obviously 2023 player, it'll be a little while before we see anything come to fruition. If he even ends up at Michigan state, uh, but yeah, no good looking prospect. Yeah, and, and elsewhere we had some visits elsewhere. We had some visits here over the last week or so five-star offensive tackle, Samson Okunlola. Okunlola. You had, uh, Ian Moore, an offensive lineman. You had, um, uh, Lloyd Carr's grandkid, CJ Carr, I think is his name, was on campus. You've had uh, we're 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 hosting like 2025 recruits. I saw there was a receiver from Texas who was up for the scrimmage. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the recruiting world. So if you're um, a recruit, Nick, then you can uh, go check that stuff out at 24/7 or Rivals or wherever you get your recruiting news we don't really dive too deep into it until a guy commits and then we'll we'll dig into the film and see where we kind of envision it but um man it's it's tough to get in the weeds we've talked about that before uh but speaking of the spring spring practice is rolling on they had a scrimmage on saturday and if you've been following along the social media team obviously has been posting a lot of videos and clips and uh, if you go onto YouTube, the Spartan All Access stuff has been pretty fun. There was um, a, a video. They they had some leadership group, uh, yeah. some like third party leadership group, and they were doing like military training kind of stuff. Um, that was a pretty fun watch. They spent a day in the pool. I couldn't tell. It sounds like you watched it. Like, did was that a cold pool? Like it just looked like the normal pool, but he kept talking about how like, you know, you got to deal with the cold. And I was like, did they like freeze the water down or what? Cause I don't know. I'm sure that, that the normal like Michigan state swimming pool that the swim team uses isn't like freezing cold. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it nobody was like shivering. Right. I mean, it could be cold, but, um, Right, he was talking about like the military techniques to increase your core body temperature when you're when you feel cold, but, or whatever. Yeah. I, but yeah, I'm like, I did they? I don't know what they just dump a bunch of ice in the pool or. That said, I've like you know, there's all those stories about like SEAL training in the pool and stuff, and like almost drowning. And I, I'm I'm good on on pool training, like unless yeah. I'm signing up to be like a swimmer or something. I don't need the whole like. Hey, let's make you feel like you're about to die and see how you respond. I'll I'll just just run me to death on the on the football. Team. Yeah. And I'm not a strong swimmer in the first place. Like we're not meant to be water creatures unless you're Michael Phelps with his like webbed fingers and stuff. Like we're just not meant to be in the water, you know. I I can hold I can doggy paddle my way around a pool, but like I'm not a good swimmer. The open ocean is the most terrifying thing to me. Like 
when you think about um, taking like the ferry over, I remember Travis Barker, the drummer from uh, Blink-182, he had a plane crash. And obviously he has since been terrified of flying. So whenever Blink-182 tours in Europe, he takes the boat from New York to London or whatever it is. And that to me is the the biggest fear in my life is just the open water. And because we don't we don't know what's down there, man. That's not our world. Humans are are land creatures. We are not water creatures. So anything that deals with water, uh yeah, you can count me out. What about like the Great Lakes? Do you get sketched out if you get, you know, out there on one of the big lakes? A little bit. I mean, like you were with me. We went over to um Isle Royal and you take the ferry yeah. uh and you you get to a certain point in that ferry where you got a 360 degree view of just water and yeah it's it's it a little bit sketched me out but not too bad just i don't know there's something about the smell of the lake water that still yeah. makes you feel like eh, like all right i i kind of know what creatures lie beneath and Nothing's uh going to eat me <laughs> yeah. in the lake itself but right yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm good on that. I, I, like you said, I'm not, a, I'm not a great swimmer either. I'm like in a survival situation, you know, I'm sure I could keep my head above water for a long enough time, but, uh, there, there comes a limit and yeah, being in the open water, like scuba diving, I guess that's a little better. Cause you can breathe. There's, you know, but yeah, you can't see down there. I don't know what's in the ocean. Nobody knows what's in the ocean. We went snorkeling and this is like way back in middle school. We went on one of those cruises and mm-hmm. uh, we went snorkeling in Cozumel. And I remember there was there was like the kind of snorkeling reef area. Mm-hmm. And then the guide brought us over to this underwater cliff. Uh-uh. That was the scariest thing I have ever it is you go from this bright blue colorful f- coral reef to pure pure black you yeah. don't see a thing and that was i i think i peed a little bit i mean you're <laughs> in the water so like nobody will know but oh my goodness that was terrifying ever since then it's just like nope i'm good yeah we were on a cruise in the southern caribbean and we were at uh i think it was aruba and we took a catamaran and same thing they took us to a like a coral reef pretty little tropical fish dancing around everybody's having a little tropical party down there it's like water's like five feet deep so you can just stand up if you get too sketched out you know uh and then they took us out a few hundred yards and there was an old shipwreck it was like the largest shipwreck in uh the caribbean and it was in like 60 foot waters so as soon as you put your goggles underwater this ship it's probably a 40 foot tall ship right it's this big freighter it's just like right there staring at you all dead looking it's got all the rusted out (laughs) stuff in the bottom you can't see the ocean floor so there's like nothingness and then this big rusty ship just sitting right under you and all the fish around that were the ugliest like colorless <laughs> evil looking and i'm like get me out right now <laughs> I, i'm i'm not meant to be here i don't need to be here this isn't cool this is we're fun. intruding here this is <laughs> yeah this is not a place for humans obviously the human made failed here so let's just move on right yeah no that but you know bringing it back um no there, there was a bunch of pool stuff it was it, it looked pretty intense uh, a lot of leadership kind of um 
it was like a leadership seminar brought to life, right? And, and you could see that obviously the video team captures what they want you to see, but you saw Peyton Thorne, you saw Cal Halliday, like you saw some of the leaders you would expect to see being the vocal guys. And um, the Powers Warren was, was like... <laughs> singled out in one of the it was like at the end of the day is like powers you're messing up out there man this is the difference between a win and a loss i'm like yo like maybe maybe don't blast this out on youtube like (laughs) you know put them on blast in front of the team but geez my favorite (laughs) part that's the commissioner's son (laughs) i don't know if you ever had to do stuff like this in sports but when they were doing a lot of that like you do one everybody does one rep perfectly in sync yeah. and we're done and i yeah, had those one days up, you practice. know it was always one down up yeah and you got every coach just circling the team watching five or t- five to ten guys and they just do their best to find one guy who's like they a know split second off they know who's gonna mess up yeah yeah and they, <laughs> they uh, don't even yeah. bother looking at the captains they're watching that like fifth fifth string offensive lineman who's just there to wear the football jersey on friday at school they're like yeah, i i know this guy's gonna mess up it's like the end of practice <laughs> it's on a friday well maybe not friday that's game day let's say like a tuesday and they're like all right we're gonna do 40 yard sprints and if they pick like the slowest lineman on the team if <laughs> jimmy over here can run it in under five and a half seconds we're done here and the coach damn well knows he can't beat seven seconds and the whole team knows it too but you're like ah jimmy let's go let's go and what meanwhile you're you're mentally preparing for another sprint because you know there's yeah. not a chance in hell <laughs> yep ah oh, god yeah that so that's kind of what it looked like for poor powers warren out there but you know maybe don't put the commissioner of the big tens kid on blast on social media i don't know but <laughs> yeah, we need folks to know he's not getting uh, he's not getting the easy road right right so yeah it's it's been uh it's been a fun spring you know we'll continue to uh to give any updates that that we hear or that we see or that we kind of glean from anything but um, there, there has been some defensive position shakeups, so it seems. Um, we'll get to that when the defensive positions come up in the next couple weeks here. Um, but yeah, there's there's been a lot of stuff coming out of the spring, and it's you know it's with this Mel Tucker program, I feel like we get a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain than we did with D'Antonio. So that's always fun to uh, to see how it plays out. But you know, with the offensive line, we'll get to it in a second, but. Um, college basketball fans, the final four has been determined. It is everybody's worst nightmare. It is Duke, North Carolina. It is Kansas Villanova. After this insane tournament, the final four Duke Villanova, Kansas and, uh, North Carolina. Yippee. Uh, but you can get in on the action of the final four new customers with DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet $5 on any team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If the sports book isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Just join a pool, answer prop questions, who will hit the most three-pointers, who will advance to the next round, and track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. 
if you win, if they win, you every time this gets me. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Scott, spring practice is here. We're talking offensive line. And this, other than quarterback, which obviously it, you know, the team lives and dies by the quarterback, but I think even with the quarterback, we kind of know what we're going to get, like assuming health, which knock on wood, you can never fully assume. But I think Peyton Thorne's a guy you kind of know what the floor is, and we're not sure what the ceiling is yet, but we know he's a pretty good option back there. I think the offensive line is the position group that can make the biggest difference in the wins and losses this year. Because it's a group that we just don't know a whole lot about as far, you know, like there there are plenty of guys with experience coming back. It's not like it's a completely new starting five, but I think this is the group that if they perform better than expected, this team can go out there and win 10 games. If they perform worse than expected, like we might be scratching and clawing for a six or seven win season and a, and a bowl berth. Right. The offensive line is that important, especially in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, you, we called Kenneth Walker the eraser for a reason. Like the offensive line wasn't great last year, but he was so good that he made a lot of those mistakes kind of irrelevant. And Kenneth Walker's gone. So those offensive line mistakes, especially in the run game, those are going to show up again like they did two or three years ago if this group doesn't improve. So, a lot to talk about here. Uh, I'm interested to see where you want to start with this offensive line conversation. Well, I'm not going to make the same mistake I've made the last every year I've been alive in saying, well, we're just going to have to see a lot of improvement. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have to take Listen, if it, you're at this point in the year and your offensive line is this dodgy uh, in terms of what we know, just kind of prepare yourself for a rough year at offensive line. Uh, anything better, obviously, would be a great surprise. But with the group we have here, I'd be surprised if at least for the first half of the season, we're not kind of shaking our heads and banging our heads against the wall watching this offensive line get get the gears turning. There's just not right, a lot watching, of experience. Watching Jarek Broussard run for one yard into the back of an offensive lineman and... Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it just feels like thin ice. Um, in pass protection last year, they were pretty good. But honestly, whatever we saw last year, it doesn't even really feel that relevant with how much turnover there's going to be in the two deep. In, in terms of holdovers, just to kind of anchor this in what we are bringing from last year. So Nick Samak should anchor it, who split starts at center with Matt Allen last year. Uh, so he'll be in the middle. J.D. Duplain will likely be at left guard next to him. Uh, J.D. Duplain started, I don't know about every game, but almost every game last year, if not every game. Uh, you got Jarrett Horst. J.D. Duplain, yep, started all 13 games at left guard. There you go. So he'll be there. Jarrett Horst at likely left tackle. Um, we saw him last year. He obviously dealt with some things in the later half of the year. Uh, that brought him off the field injuries and, and otherwise. Um, but assuming he's good to go, he'll likely be at left tackle. So the left side of the line, while maybe not all Big Ten level last year, will be the, the more stable side of the line. You go to the right side, 
and it's anyone's guess here. You've got Brian Green transferring over from Washington State, who's certainly a, a competitor for that other guard spot. Uh, I believe he played center at Washington State, so I guess you could yep. theoretically see some possibility around uh, competing for the center spot with Nick Samak. Um, but that's yet to be seen, another interior offensive lineman. And the other tackle spot is wide open. We saw Spencer Brown near the end of the year getting some snaps there, uh, but didn't look phenomenal. Um, not a shoe-in. I think Brandon Baldwin has been getting some positive chatter uh, coming out of the, the end of last year. Ethan Boyd also was getting some positive PR. Um, so, yeah, the, the right side's a little bit more up in the air. But all in all, I mean, even the guys, the holdovers on the left side from last year, like I said, they weren't all Big Ten level. I don't think you can roll them out there and say, all right, they're just going to hold their own. They're going to open up lanes. They're going to do their job. I I don't think it's... I don't think it's guaranteed anywhere on this line that that we're going to see exceptional play. So it's scary. There's a lot of youngsters, which obviously you'd, you'd like to believe a guy like Chris Kapilovich is going to develop them well, but they're still young. I mean, a lot of those guys we mentioned, Brandon Baldwin, Ethan Boyd, Gino Vandemark we didn't mention, but he's in the mix. These are guys that will be on the field, and they're either second or third year on campus as offensive linemen in the Big Ten. It's a tall task. So in – it's instable. Uh, we'll see how they look. Obviously, in the spring, we'll be keeping a close eye on this group because, like you said, they're going to the offense is going to live and die by how this offensive line plays, especially if these running backs don't have the kind of the A plus talent that we had last season. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned I was, that was something I wanted to bring up. It was the left side of the line. I actually feel pretty good about as long as they're they're on the field with Horst and Duplain. Horst started the first eight games, and then obviously we didn't see him again for the rest of the season, but he was still an honorable mention All-Big Ten player in just those eight games. So I think that shows that you know people saw something in him that he was he was a really good player in those eight games. Um, so if, if he's on the field ready to go from week one next year, I, I think he is capable of... Uh, second or third team, all Big Ten type of season. Duplain, another guy who's really the last couple of years been hovering around that like honorable mention type of player. A solid guy that you like having in there that, you know, he's definitely not a detriment to the offensive line. He's not a special talent who you're thinking is going to get drafted to the NFL, but a solid, solid player that that you feel good about. Center Nick Samak, like you said, we've we've seen plenty of him over the last few years. Last year, he didn't start any games, but he played over 300 snaps. So um, started six games in 2020. Back in 2019, started four games. So he started 10 games. He's had, let's see, quick mental math, uh, over a thousand snaps in college. So him moving into a starting role, if that's the case, it's it's not going to be anything he hasn't seen before. But you said the offensive line on the right side, you know, whether it's Matt Carrick or or uh, Brian Green, you say he's coming over from um, <clears throat> from West uh, Washington State. That's a very different offensive style at Washington State than we play here. He's going to be asked to do a lot more run blocking than he's used to, and so. What is his skill set in the run game? Is he more of a pass blocking guy? 
because that's a lot of what we've had the last few years. I mean, the pass protection the last few years hasn't been terrible. It's the run blocking that's been such a big problem. So I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out. And Spencer Brown, I I think anybody who watched the pit game closely and followed Spencer Brown and comes away with it thinking this is a locked and loaded starter for next year, I think you're looking at it through a little too green colored of glasses. He struggled in that game. And and that's okay. It was his first start. I'm not saying he should be an all Big Ten type of guy. It was against a good pit defense with a couple of good edge rushers. You're not expecting him to go out and dominate in his first start. But again, I think there were a lot of people coming out of that game thinking this guy is a stud because he he had one like Twitter highlight pancake. Um you go back and watch every snap. It, it was a little more rough than it looked. Um, the first go through. So I still, I still really like Spencer Brown. He was somebody I loved coming in his story coming out of Wald Lake Western. He always wanted to be a tight end and he just basically accidentally kept gaining weight. He was putting on like 40 pounds a season and eventually it was over 300 and it was just like, all right, dude, you, you have to play tackle. <laughs> He's really athletic. He's a good basketball player. He was averaging a double double at, at Western, but um, you know, he's just so big and so athletic. So I think the ceiling is, is pretty much untouched at this point with Spencer Brown. But, um, you know, if the season started today, you'd probably pencil him in there at the right tackle spot. But like you said, I, I don't think it's as certain as a lot of people do, but I want to kind of look at this because, um, for anybody who's heard or used it football outsiders, it's, it's a lot of, you know, analytic metric kind of stuff. And it's really the only service out there that does any kind of analytical work on the offensive line. And it's not perfect, but I think it does give you a pretty good representation of where you stand. Um, So if you look back in 2020, so the first season of Mel Tucker and Chris Kapilovich and this staff on the offensive line, there's there's some stuff that they put out in terms of your power success rate. So when it's third and two or less or fourth and two or less and you run the ball, how often do you convert it for a first down? Um, There's the stuff rate. How often do you get tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage? And then there's some kind of more complex stuff. So in terms of line yards, like how often does your offensive line generate a four yard rushing play is kind of a successful. There's all these stats. If you go in 2020, the offensive line on all these run blocking metrics is I'll, I'll just read them off the ranks. I won't go through each of the metrics individually, but 124th, 126th, 124th, 95th, 118th, 124th. Like intuitively you look at that and you're like, yep, that offensive line was really bad in 2020. That makes sense, right? So, so whatever these analytics, it kind of lines up with what your thought process was. And last year, you think, well, it improved, but it still wasn't great. Um, that's about where it has it. So 85th, 80th, 88th, 78th, 71st, 83rd. So with all these run-blocking metrics, it it kind of paints the picture that I think a lot of the fans kind of saw with their own eyes, right? It went from really bad to still definitely below average. And so third year of an offensive line coach 
some of these guys that are expected to play um, or hoping to play are guys that were recruited or re- you know transfers that were recruited to play this specific scheme and this specific run scheme. So you hope that those numbers go from the 80s to the 40s or 50s. Like I'm not asking for too much here, but I think being an above average run blocking offensive line at Michigan State is not too much to ask for, right? And I I was thinking about this this morning. There was some heat put on the defensive staff after last season, right? Um, obviously Harlem Barnett and and um, and Scotty Hazelton, they were under some fire from the fans, and I I think most level headed people uh, were kind of looking at it and saying, well, he's not on the hot seat, but another bad season and you know this could get out of hand at the end of the day scotty hazelton's defense gave up 25 points a game which was 54th in the country and you're looking at these offensive line metrics and they're all in the 80s so if we're stacking up like what is your most important factor what do you do for your team and your unit um i mean if i'm just looking at this objectively if one of these guys was on the hot seat i would say it's Chris Kapilovich before Scotty Hazelton, just from the on the field performance of their units. Right. So I'm not saying that either of them should be on the hot seat. I just thought it was funny that people were going after this defensive staff. Meanwhile, just completely ignoring an offensive line that, like we said, was really bailed out by a generational running back. So I, that's just something that really comes into play here. When we're looking at the offensive line for next year is looking at how do they improve and the run blocking. We need to start opening up some holes because we're not going to get another Kenneth Walker who can just kind of make something out of nothing, make chicken salad out of chicken shit, as they say. And that's the biggest concern, right, with this with this team, at least this running game, is there were a couple games last season, Nebraska comes to mind, Indiana, uh, where largely they – contained if not shut down the running game and the defense really ground to a halt I mean those games you look back we tried to rely more on our passing game but knowing that they could contain the running game with their base defense we really I mean it was ugly you remember the Nebraska game I don't think we had a first down in the second half at all um we got bailed out by that obviously that awesome Jaden Reed uh punt return touchdown but when this running game slowed down last season well when Kenneth Walker slowed down last season uh it got ugly and that's the biggest concern for this year is is 12 games of not being able to establish the run Peyton Thorne getting flushed out of the pocket early and and teams just sitting over the top and and sitting on those receivers and if that happens again you could see a serious regression and I think for me that fact alone is why I'm expecting a win-loss regression. I don't think this team is going to get noticeably worse across the field, but I I think all other things being equal, you take Kenneth Walker out of the equation last season. We've talked about this before. We're probably a 7-8 win team. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us in that realm this year unless we do see these big steps forward by position groups led by the offensive line. Um, and that's a big if, you know, we play that game all the time, every season, if this group or if this player uh, can 
take a big step forward. We could be a great team. Well, the reality is teams don't take huge steps forward all the time from thin air. You can have a disruptor like a transfer like Kenneth Walker who comes in and changes the situation. But by and large, you take small steps every season to the point that by the time a specific recruiting class gets to juniors or seniors, you know, they're really ready to dominate. But to expect guys who were hardly on the field last year at the offensive line to step on the field in the Big Ten this year and start blowing the doors off defenses, it's just, it feels a little bit unrealistic. So that's where my head's at. I hate to be like a pessimist. I hope I'm just being a realist um, and not just painting this in a negative light. But it's it's a thin group, even with, at full strength. Offensive line's obviously a group that you see more injuries than some positions. Knock on wood, I hope we don't see any injuries, obviously. But it's something you still have to prepare for. And, you know, let's say one of those guys on the left side of the line goes down. All of a sudden, you're you're looking down the list and it's starting to get a little bit grim. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's does, does this offensive line specifically give you any pause in terms of just straight winning and losing games? Yeah. I like, I think you're pretty much spot on there. Like at a certain point, I'm going to need to see it to believe it. It's been six years of just not great play. And so until I see it at this point, I'm going to just go on the assumption that it's going to be a below average offensive line. And at Michigan State, that shouldn't be okay. And it, it, it is just, I don't know, like the narrative around the offensive line has been kind of funny. Like the Peach Bowl, and, and maybe we're guilty of this a little bit too, the narrative coming out of the Peach Bowl without Kenneth Walker was, man, these running backs aren't very good. <laughs> like everybody just kind of ignored the fact that there were no holes to run through. And so I don't know, man, I, I definitely am skeptical. Like if, if you said the people who are kind of early projecting this as a dude, national people are out there putting us in the preseason top 10. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know about that. I, and it's mostly due to the offensive line. Cause I think the defense is going to take some steps up from what they were last year. I think you bring back, Peyton Thorne and a, a, and most of your receiving um and obviously you lose Kenneth Walker and I just I don't see this offense being as consistent because the difference between and and this is again like I'm I'm not asking for a top 5 Wisconsin Iowa Michigan type of offensive line just give me an above average, good, solid power five, big 10 offensive line. Cause the difference between what we were last year and let's say a group that in said metrics are ranking in the thirties, the forties is one or two less three and outs, right? Instead of just first and 10 run the ball second and eight, you know, incomplete pass and then you're you're behind the sticks and third and long and and you don't convert and it's a quick three and out and then the offense doesn't stay on the field the defense doesn't get a breather you're you're forcing good field position for the other team and a good offensive line turns that into 
well, first and 10, you just ran for five yards. And now it's second and five. Your whole playbook is available to you. And even if you don't score on that drive, you get a couple more first downs. You flip field position. You give your defense a breather. Like the offensive line is such a key factor in everything that happens in the football game. And until I see with my own eyes that this offensive line is is willing or is is able to consistently open up holes in the run game and consistently allow four or five yard carries without the running back having to break a tackle or slip somebody in the backfield until I see that, like, I'm just not going to believe that it's there. And if that's the case again, like these three and outs and stuff, like it, it starts adding up. And when you start seeing the defense on the field for like a million snaps a game, like we did last year, I'm not saying that the defense would have been great last year, but if you give them a little bit of a breather from time to time, um, you know, that's a little bit more helpful. So that's the biggest thing I'm worried about. Like if, if you're saying kind of what, what's your reasons for pessimism in 2022, it's a poor offensive line or a below average offensive line. You force a few more three and outs than you would like. Your defense isn't able to get rest. You're, you're playing behind the, behind the eight ball as far as field position and it it all connects it's all connected and that's one of the beautiful things about the sport of football is that it's the ultimate ultimate team game and everything is connected but that also means that everything kind of goes back to the offensive line and if you don't have a good one it makes it really 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 hard to win games unless you have a guy like Kenneth Walker who is just so generationally talented that it almost doesn't matter. All right. So that's our reasons for pessimism, hopefully realism, and we're not just being too negative. Uh, but let's let's try to wrap this up on a positive prompt, Kevin. So just answer this for me. In It's December 31st. We're going into hopefully a bowl game. And um, let's say we won 10-plus games again. Uh, and the offensive line is in the top – Say the top third of the Big Ten. I got like a top four offensive line unit. How did we get there? Yeah. Uh, so Spencer Brown took a huge step this offseason and commanded that right tackle spot from day one in the spring. You know, just came in as a leader, you know, worked his ass off on his technique and everything. And you had a healthy, good Spencer Brown and a healthy uh, we know the the type of player that Jarrett Horst is. So you got a really solid tackle group on the outside. And then J.D. Duplain kept playing like J.D. Duplain, just a solid guy there at guard. And, um, you know, whether it's for, through the transfer portal, I think, you know, there's still a couple spots that are, are going to be coming in. Whether it's through the transfer portal or whether it's one of the up-and-coming young players or whatever, I think you still need to find somebody at right guard there. I, I don't feel as positively about the uh, the transfer just because of his experience and the type of offense they were in, but you got to find somebody else at right guard and you hope that Samak over his years, finally, you know, he doesn't have to split time with Matt Allen anymore. It's his, you know, it's his spot. He can kind of build some more confidence and play more confidently and not have to worry about getting pulled every other drive. So it's just, you know, guys taking big steps up, especially like highlighted by Spencer Brown being like an anchor at right tackle in a way that, you know, I don't think people should expect him to be as a first year starter, but I think you could hope for him to be. 
All right, so there you have it. Uh, Spencer Brown, all Big Ten, according to Kevin. <laughs> first team. Uh, first team, all Big Ten. Uh, that probably means he won't start a game this year. If you guys have been with us for at least a year now, you know anything we say in the spring is generally dead wrong. Uh, so expect Brandon Baldwin maybe to to be our starting right tackle all year. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I think we're, we're about over a, a, a billion uh, on spring. This guy's going to be a stud this year <laughs> predictions. Uh, so look forward to that, folks. The hey, we had... I won't say that we said he was going to be a total stud, but I I feel pretty confidently that in the Michigan State football media space that we were the first on Simeon Barrow. I, I feel pretty good about saying that. That was spring last year. Yeah, that was when everybody said Jalen Hunt might be the best defensive tackle that's ever come through East Lansing. Right. <laughs> and he hardly played last year. I think he was dealing with some injuries too. So, uh, and obviously we, we're not rooting against him. And, and hopefully he'll be so good this year that Simeon Barrow hardly makes it on the field. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, we do have not just us. It's, it's a hard game to predict. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard sport to predict. A lot happens between the end of one season and the start of the next um, on college campuses. So, uh, it's, it's part of the fun though. That's why it makes this fun. We like to laugh at ourselves. If you can't laugh at yourself in this business, then uh, you're not going to have any fun. So, right. I mean, we're, we're talking about sports. Like what? <laughs> that's, that's the one thing I always say with people. It's like, dude, why are we taking this so seriously? Like we, your prediction was wrong about the sports game, you know, like this basketball game that you messed up the prediction or whatever it's speaking of good. quick update on the, uh, on the bracket pool here. Um, oh yeah, uh, we've got what looks to be a winner. Yeah. Right. I think there might be two possibilities left. So I was doing great, but the wheels fell off. I've, I've capped out at 670 and, uh, I will not win. I was looking real good until the elite eight coach K, uh, that's the bracket name has Duke as their champion. Uh, 770 points, max 1410. Obviously, if Duke wins, they will be our champion. I think, I haven't really dove into the numbers here, but I think A.T. Reiner, who's currently in fourth place, right behind me at 630 points, I think if Villanova wins the championship, they would be our champion. It would be really close. If Duke, if Duke makes it to the final and loses to Villanova, it would be very close in that situation. I think those two are the only ones that really still have a shot. So we'll be watching next weekend. I think, what is it? Saturday is the final four. And then Monday is the championship game. So going into that championship game uh, a week from today, we'll have another episode. We'll give the final look. Maybe we'll have our champion or maybe we'll have, a little one-on-one for the for the championship and and the the grand prize to meet your heroes, Kevin and Scott, on the Standard and Spartans <laughs> podcast. And it, and on that note, a shout out to Spartan in Bama for being in last place here. He has uh, let's see a hundred no two hundred ninety points maxed out here. Zero for four in the final four. He was almost zero for the elite eight. I'm look no he was o for the elite eight looks like so tough run there for uh for Spartan and Bama but um not too much worse than me this year so I still got one final four team at least in Kansas but it's it's been a tough year for me well that's part of the fun too um have you ever like 
Have you ever won a bracket pool? Have you ever just had the bracket? Because I, I don't think so. I thought I really this year don't. was going to be my year. I was looking really good. Uh, I think I had like five out of eight Elite Eight teams, and then I think four of those teams lost. Um, well, no, that would mean St. Peter's. But anyway, I was I was right there. I was feeling great, and and the wheels fell off. So yeah, I'm, I might have won one back in like eighth grade when you did one with your friends. But ever since I've been playing for money, I I really don't think I've ever won it. It's tough. It's 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 a hard game. It's kind of just a lottery. So uh, maybe it next is a year. Complete lottery. Yeah. Uh, that's at least what I tell myself when I lose. So it's, it's like fantasy football. When you lose, it's like, well, how could I expect this guy to get injured as you pick the guy with like extensive list of injuries in his past? <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so we'll get to uh, later this week. We will do a mailbag. So keep your ears peeled for that. Or if you have a question in mind, you can shoot it over to us on social media it's going to be focused on the offense. So we've done the quarterbacks, we've done the running backs, we've done receivers, tight ends, and offensive line. So we're going to take a quick pause for the position breakdowns, and we're going to do a mailbag. So if you have any questions about the offense for next year, for five years from now, for 10 years from now, if it's um, talking about recruiting strategies or, or playing time or breakout kit, whatever comes to mind, has to be about the offense. We will get to that later this week. And then next week, we will start talking about the defensive spots. We'll go through a defensive mailbag. And then by then, the spring game, spring practice, whatever the format is this year, will be upon us. So that's kind of the calendar coming up over the next couple of weeks. So make sure you are following. We do have a giveaway coming out. We're almost ready to unveil it. We're just kind of narrowing down the prize. There's a few really good options out there. There's going to be more than one. So, you know, if you're worried about, ah, I never win this one prize, you know, there's going to be two. Gives you a little better odds here. So keep an eye out for that as well. Anything else? No, I'm all set. All right, let's get out of here. Hope everybody has a good Monday. Hope everybody has a great week. We will talk to you guys on hopefully Thursday, unless we have any complications. So until then, go green. Take care, folks. Thank you.